we're rolling, we're rolling. We fight all day long. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5. Scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Welcome in, football fans. It's a strange time to be alive, isn't it? The whole country pretty much under lockdown. Big thank you to anyone out there that's providing some key work at the moment. Really challenging times. And it's important that we keep talking to each other through this. And that's exactly what we at the Full 10 Yards are intending to do over the course of the coming weeks. As we give you a little bit of an early preview, if you like, into the seasons of all 32 NFL franchises. We're going to be looking at what moves have or haven't been made in free agency and trades for all of the clubs, as well as taking a look at those all-important draft needs. I'm also going to be joined throughout this series by Rob from the fantasy section of the Full 10 Yards to give you some steals and some studs for the fantasy teams, as you know, we need something to look forward to, don't we? We really, really do, as things stand currently. I welcome you in there, Rob. How are you, buddy? Hello, mate. Yeah, good. Yeah, very good. Um, strange, like you said, strange time to be alive at the moment, being at home and not being at work. But, uh, you know, um, every cloud and all that uh, gives us plenty of time to sift through this very, very busy and exciting off-season with the NFL. And, and yes, yeah, here and, and talk together. We, we haven't worked together much. Uh, we haven't done many podcasts together. So it's good for me and you to sit down and go through these. And I think it'll be fun. Yeah, it certainly will be, mate. It has been good to have that distraction of the NFL. Like you said, the off-season has been in full swing and I think it has been a bit of welcome relief to all of us fans. So, absolutely good to have a change of focus. So, we hope you all enjoy listening in to our reviews of all of the 32 teams and we're going to kick it off division by division in the AFC North. Let's start off then, mate, with the Baltimore Mm. Ravens who were... You know, one of the you know, I wouldn't say big surprises last season, but they they probably exceeded a number of people's expectations. Obviously, a great breakout season for Lamar Jackson, his first season as the full-time starter, uh, and deservedly winning the MVP award after a stellar campaign both through the air and on the ground. Um, certainly, heavily fancied, I would suggest to repeat their divisional crown in the 2020 season. Um, but let's have a look at what they've actually done, because on paper, at least, I would suggest it's a squad that has just probably improved, I would say, mate. Um, Calais Campbell being brought in for a fifth round pick. I mean, that sounds to me like daylight robbery, doesn't it, buddy? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I did touch on this uh, last week uh, when I did a segment for Tim on on the main show. It was... Uh, unbelievable what they managed to flip over for Claire's Campbell when you when you break it down. Um, it, it, when, when you break it down, it ends up being the the pick that they got for a kicker. Uh, uh, I called him um, uh, Justin Tucker's rent boy. Uh, you know they got a fifth round pick from Minnesota for him, who then coincidentally got got cut a couple of weeks later by Minnesota. So it's a really uh, a nothing pick. And then they've turned it into Claire's Campbell. It's just fantastic. And it's what Baltimore do. That They've done that for years now. Um, you know, they're very clever. They've got a, a very, very good GM um, who, who, who pulls the strings and makes some fantastic deals and trades. Uh, and, and that's what they do. They, they've done it for ages. And, you know, they did it when they won the Super Bowl uh, a few years ago against San Francisco. They, that team they assembled then was done on the same principles. Uh, and then fast forward, a few years and they're doing it again and they're, they're ready to rise to the top again 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you say, I think a lot of people, you know, myself included, as a fan of a rival club in the division, was hoping that Aussie Newsom stepping aside would be the turning, you know, of a, a bit of a downward trend. But fair mm. play to Eric De Costa, he's certainly come in and, and has hit the ground running, hasn't he? Um, yeah. In terms yeah. of other moves, Matthew Judon, given the franchise tag, he had a nice campaign last season. So obviously now add Campbell to that defensive line. Um, that's looking a pretty fierce unit. One one um, move that you know is going to be somebody that they're going to struggle to replace. Marshall Yander retiring. He's been a you know a fabulous player on the interior of the offensive line for a number of years now. Big hole to fill there, mate. Yeah, definitely. That was big news. Um, I, I don't know whether they would expected it, but he was obviously getting on in age. I think he was 36, if my memory serves me correctly, I think. Um, so, yeah, it was always going to come sooner rather than later. But, yeah, yeah, that, that is now become, I think, one of their uh, positions where they're going to try and look to in the draft, potentially. But but like you just mentioned, yeah, bring, bringing back Matt Jude on, uh, obviously Michael Brockers as well, he's been brought on in the free agency as a defensive tackle. So, yeah, you know, their, their front three now looks like Brockers, Claire's Campbell, Matt Jude on. Um, with with players like Jalen Ferguson in in, in that uh, mix as well, uh, <laughs> you know that's a that's a bruising front defence there, um, and and obviously we know that they're good in the backside. So, uh, but so yeah, so losing, um, uh, sorry, what's his name? I can't remember now. Matt, um, what's his name? Uh, Matt, uh, Marshall Yander. Marshall Yander. I don't know what I had Matt in my head for. Um, probably because we were talking about Matt Judon. Uh, yeah, losing Marshall Yander is massive. Um, that O-line is good. Uh, can they replace him? Can they keep uh, the pressure off um, uh, Lamar Jackson uh, in the back there? You, you have to wait and see. We'll see what happens in the draft. But but yeah, that, that becomes the biggest need for me, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Just the other move of note, um, and again, more draft capital coming back to the Ravens. Hayden Hurst um, traded away to the Atlanta Falcons. I think that move was probably made all the easier by the breakout season that Mark Andrews went through last year. Um, he obviously was the favourite target, wasn't he, of Lamar Jackson? So Hayden Hurst, um, you know, former first round pick, um, you know, but again, I think good compensation coming back in that deal, um, you know, which obviously come draft day, the Ravens yeah. will be looking to turn into, you know, a position where they've got a, you know, a further need. I would suggest. And and, I, and again, that goes back to to the GM and the, and the backroom staff there because you know that they took Hayden Hurst in the first round and. It was it, it was clearly a mistake. It was a bad pick. Um, you know, he didn't come to fruition as a first rounder. Uh, he got you know taken over by uh, the, the third rounder in that draft, Mark Andrews. Um, and, but you know that that's the mark of a good GM. They've, they've got to sort of put the hands up. And said, all right, we were wrong. Um, let's see what the best deal we can get for him is. And and obviously they've, made, they've found a trade partner in Atlanta. They've got something back for him. They'll go again. And that that is again you you get plenty of GMs around the league and plenty of teams that will throw money at players that don't need money thrown at them. Uh, and that's because they're trying to retrace the steps. Oh, we drafted this player in the what, second, the first, second, third round. Um, you know, we'll give him money. We'll, we'll we'll back him because we picked him. Not the right thing to do. Sometimes you need to take a step back and say, look, yeah, we were wrong. It was a bad pick. It didn't come to fruition. Let's let's move on. Let's get what we can for him. That's exactly what they did for for Hayden Hurst. And I think it's good for for Hayden Hurst to go to Atlanta as well. We obviously know that. Um, that Matty Ice likes to use a tight end, so I think it's a good move for him uh, and a good move for Baltimore. So, so yeah, again, it's just it's, it's kind of a, a, a pat on the back for the the back um, for the back staff at, at Baltimore once again. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, let's move on then to the draft and sort of fill in some of those needs that potentially do exist. We've mentioned Marshall Yander yeah. there, um, and I think, you know, absolutely interior offensive line may well be something that they look to to um, to bolster. Um, obviously, you know, picking late on in the draft, where are they? 28th in the first round after the stellar season from last campaign. So a number of the, the sort of, you know, high-level um, calibre players obviously going to be off the board by that time. I think another need for me, I would suggest, when it comes to Baltimore, he's probably linebacker. Obviously, CJ Mosley moved in the previous off-season. Um, mm. So that would be a spot, you know, again, putting your GM head on. Um, you know, what positions potentially would you be targeting, mate, if you were looking to, to bolster this Ravens squad? Yeah, I'd say Yander changes a lot of things. I think before the Yander news came out when in my mock draft 1.0 on the website, uh, I had them down as grabbing an edge rusher. Um, uh, who did I put there? Yeah, Yetor Gross Matos. I had falling to him at 28. Um, again, it was just kind of bolstering the already decent team that they've got. Uh, you know, you look at their running backs, they're solid. Wide receivers, they, they, they put a lot of capital in last year. Um, you know, obviously we know with tight ends, they're, they're sorted with Mark Mark Andrews, quarterback they've got. Um, so, you know, offensively, they look absolutely fine. And, and defensively, they're good as well. It was just adding some key pieces. But I definitely think now that, that Yander leaving with a, a big offensive line draft that, that this is, I do wonder if they're going to take an interior guy, um, maybe like a Cesar Ruiz, I think his name is. Um, he's been floating around late, late first. Um, you know, it's guys like that. And I think that's where they're going to go. Yeah, I think they've got um, many options. I think at 28, it will be a case of, you know, probably best player available. You know, they've got a number of needs, like you say, you know, potentially that sort of middle of the defence at linebacker. Also, I think they possibly need a bit of help on the back end, um, you, know, you know, potentially at the safety position. Um, you know, they're potentially also at edge, as you mentioned there. I think Judon did what a number of players seem to do. You know, played himself into a good contract in his contract year. Yep. And the Ravens have said, go and prove it again, which I think is fair enough by giving him the franchise tag. Um, yep. So, obviously, we'll see if he can repeat. Um, let's talk fancy then, mate. I mean, I think it's fairly obvious. I'm no fancy expert, but I think even I could say who the stud on this team is. But uh, who who should we be looking to get drafted into our teams if we're picking Ravens for fancy football in 2020, in your opinion? So the, the stud that you're talking about is, of course, Justice Hill. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I, obviously Lamar Jackson, yeah. It's, uh, uh, I was lucky enough to be riding that train last year with Lamar Jackson. I had him across a load of different teams and obviously had a, had a fantastic season because of it. Um, he's going to be targeting so high, though. I, I, I don't know whether it's worth it. I'm one of these late-round quarterback guys where the value of a quarterback is always you know, you can always pick up a good value quarterback in the later rounds. You don't need to necessarily uh, pick a, a, a quarterback early on. And, and Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes are going to be two that, that fly off in the first couple of rounds. I am sure of it. Um, so you've got to look a bit deeper for Baltimore. Like I said, last year they put a lot of draft capital into the wide receivers. Marquise Brown was the big name that they, they drafted uh, in the first round. Um, but he was had a bit of an injury plague season. Uh, he certainly did look the part when he played and I certainly think he is in for a big season next year providing he can stay healthy but one player in particular that I'm really really excited for and I was excited for last year because he had a fantastic combine in Indy in March 2018 uh, 2019 uh, he got drafted by the Baltimore Ravens and, and he, he played he wasn't over fantastic he wasn't 
overused. It was just kind of a steady rookie season. That's that's wide receiver Miles Boykin. Uh, you know, the metrics on this kid is unbelievable. He, he set the, the, the combine alight last year. I really like how he looks. And I think that this is going to be another massive step forward for him in his second year. I think that the, the camaraderie with, uh, with Lamar Jackson took a while to get going. But yeah, I, I really like it. I like that wide receiver core. I like a young deep wide receiver core and that's exactly what they've got and I, th- I think Lamar Jackson will start to use them a bit more this year I think they're going to have to uh, I think the bottom line is Lamar Jackson obviously we we know what he can do with his legs but you know he, he will start to get found out and and you know it only takes one hit for him to get injured they're going to have to use the air a bit more and I think they will and I, and I think Lamar's Boykin will be a direct result of this so a very late round sleeper for you there. Excellent, man. That's what we like. A bit of value later on in the draft. Just coming back to Lamar Jackson, any chance mm. at all do you think he goes even as high as the first overall pick in fantasy drafts, considering the amount of rushing yards that he puts up? This isn't a, a quarterback that's going to get you, you know, 20 to 50 scramble yards in the Josh Allen category. You know, this is a guy that's you know potentially going to be running for 70 to 100 yards a game based on his sort of average from last year. Is there any chance he even sneaks into that number one overall conversation, do you feel? That's a very good question. I've never actually thought about it like that. Um, I think first round is is a no-brainer. I think he has to go first round just because of that upside. But can he go first overall? You know what? I, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised. I think you'll find that with players that have been playing it long enough um, and have had the experience, they probably wouldn't take the quarterback just because they know the value they can get later on. Um, but I certainly, I would I pick him one I one no, um, but. Would I have a problem with anyone else taking him one on one? Probably not. You know, that's that's up to up to them, and I can see it happening. Yeah, um, that's an interesting question. Actually, I hadn't thought about that. Oh, there you go, mate. A bit of research for you between them and the uh, yeah, and the draft definitely. season coming up. What, what What do you think? What's your opinion opinion on that? Uh, I, I could certainly see that happening. Like I said, I'm not um, I'm no expert at it by any stretch of the imagination. But any fancy game I played last year, whether it be on the daily fantasy with a bit of DraftKings or, you know, any yeah. of, the, of the few leagues that I do get involved in. He pretty much was the matchup winner week to week. Um, you know, and ultimately, like I said, just based on the sheer volume of production, um, I can certainly see it happening. Um, you know, so it will be, will be interesting to see. I certainly think it's in play. Um, let's have a quick look then, mate, at the divisional odds for the Ravens and the Super Bowl odds overall. So, as I said, in terms of um, you know people's expectations this year, I think people definitely have the Ravens pinned as favourites. Certainly, that's what the bookies have, and they've got them as eleven to twenty on. The win total for the over under for the Ravens is sat at eleven wins, and the Super Bowl odds they're as low as fifteen to two. Um, so obviously highly fancied. Would you be putting a pound each way on any of those odds? I think the, the over over eleven is, is pretty tasty. If they're so favourite to get to the Super Bowl, you'd expect them to get eleven wings in the regular season. So yeah, yeah, over eleven for me is the one that I'd be hitting up there. Yeah, yeah, I certainly think you, you're potentially going to be um, safe for a few quid having a bet on the on the Ravens. Right, man, let's finish off our talk on the Ravens before we bring yeah. some guests on to talk some other teams in this division. Give us one reason why you think the Ravens can improve this year and maybe go all the way to win the Super Bowl. 
Oh, I touched on it earlier. I think uh, I think they need to use the air a bit more. I think Lamar Jackson he took a big step up last year uh, between his, his rookie year and his second year, and I think he needs to take another step again. And I think he will. I think he's got the weapons around him. I think he's got the arm talent, the strength. Uh, I think he can do it. I think yeah, a bit more through the air with with a couple of really decent receivers. Um, on his Arsenal there I think is going to be the next step up and I think that's the reason why they could possibly go all the way this year Okay I'll do it the opposite way I'll give you a reason why I think they might miss the playoffs I think it's a strong division I think you know the Steelers Mm. potentially getting Big Ben back will be interesting to see how he responds obviously after a season injured I think you know the Browns Obviously, again, all the reason for optimism that was there 12 months ago hasn't altered a lot. There's an awful lot of talent there, kind of different coaching staff bring it out. Um, so I do think it's a competitive division. But I also think that um, I don't have as much faith in Lamar Jackson yet. I'm still not fully on that train. I've got to be honest. I do think that there is a blueprint um, to defeat this team. And I do think that is when you ask them to air it out more. I know you've just said there you've got faith that they will turn to that and we'll be successful with it. But I think if you look at the stats from last year, once you start asking Lamar to throw it over 25, 30 times a game, the success rate isn't as great for the Ravens. Um, Mm. If you think back to that playoff game against Tennessee, when Derrick Henry just ran it down their throats all day, they they didn't go to the ground game to recover it. They tried to recover it through the air and ultimately came up short. So, yeah. Yeah. I do think there's a bit of a blueprint there and it'll be um, you know, something that a number of teams will try and implement. But certainly the divisional favourites, there's no doubt about that. Um, and you know, like you say, I think a good off-season so far. Let's see what they can turn. Pick 28 um, in the first round and all the other selections into moving forward. Fingers crossed, we're still on course for an end of April draft, all being well. Yeah. Right, mate, yeah. Let's get some guests on to join us and talk about their respective teams. Let's talk all things Cincinnati Bengals and to do so, let's welcome in our very own Mr. Touchdown Tips. Adam, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, about as good as can be expected. Fortunately, I am an essential worker, so I'm still getting out of the house. Um, out in the sunshine every day. It's been a lovely few days, actually. A few less people on the streets. Um, yeah, can't complain. Good stuff, mate. Hopefully a lot less people on the streets, mate. That'll be good for all of us. And uh, thank you for everything you're doing in these difficult times, mate. So, Oh, I'm, I'm a postman. It's not like I'm NHS or anything, but, you know, officially we're a key worker. It's, uh, so I, I am we ranking still need myself our post. up there. <laughs> yeah, we can't live without those uh, magazines and all the garbage that we have to deliver every day. But, you know, we, we might deliver the occasional helpful thing. I'm sure you do, mate. I'm sure you do. Let's um, let's talk some football then, mate, and let's talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously, off the back of a disappointing campaign in 2019-2020 season and obviously ending up with the number one overall pick. We'll come to the draft in a moment. I don't think there's going to be any huge surprises. I think everyone's pretty sure where that pick is going, and we'll get your views on that in the minute. But let's talk first and foremost about the moves that have already gone down in the off-season. And, you know, a little bit surprisingly, the Bengals, one of the most active teams, it seems, so far during this period. Talk us through all the, you know, the many ins that have actually um, come through the door in the jungle, mate. Yeah, as you say, it doesn't happen often. Um, I saw earlier that we have spent $50 million over the last five off-seasons, and this season we're $127 million and counting. Um, so, yeah, 
quite hey, big quite spenders. Yeah, and it's all been on defense, uh, entirely on defense, which obviously we were 31st or 32nd, depending where you look last year. So it's no real surprise that they're having a bit of turnover, um, especially at the cornerbacks. We've got rid of, I say got rid, uh, Darquez Denard was probably the one of the better ones that we had. He's gone um, to Jacksonville. Um, it looks like Drake Kirkpatrick could be on the way out. Uh, I think he's owed nine and a half million this year. So after spending a fair bit of money on corners, he looks like he could be gone. So that's uh, two new corners. But we bought in Trey Waynes from the Vikings. Um, three years, 42 million deal, which admittedly seems overpaid, but 20 millions in the first year. Um, so after that, we can get rid of him for not a whole whole lot. Um, Mackenzie Alexander also came in from the Vikings. He's only on a one-year deal, four million. He replaces Denard. Uh, I think Denard got six million here at the Jags, so a little bit cheaper. Um, then we got DJ Reader, the defensive tackle. He will play inside Regino, giving the Bengals one of the better interior defenses in the league, uh, which uh, we paid him four years, fifty-three million. So, decent money. Um, we've paid them. And um, I thought that was it. So, that was what I printed out earlier. And then today, they've gone crazy. We, um, we've let a few linebackers go. Nick Vigil's gone. Um, he went to the Chargers. He was ranked 118th, according to PFF, at linebacker. And we bought in Josh Bynes, uh, former Raven. So, I would imagine he was out of contract there. He was ranked 18th at linebacker last year. Um, but it doesn't stop there. We signed LaShawn Sims, who's a former Titans cornerback. Not sure how good he is in all honesty. It's not one I've heard of, but um, he obviously fills a bit of depth in the cornerback position. And then we signed Von Bell today, the strong safety, a three-year, 18 million deal. Uh, I think that's probably the best of the business we've done. He's really highly ranked. I think they had him in the top 20 or so of free agents this summer. So, um, yeah, a heck of a lot of work being done on the defence. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you say, it was a change that needed to happen. We were talking, weren't we, Rob, earlier? You were quite impressed yourself, mate, with the, the DJ Reader move in particular. You rated him really highly. Yeah, for me, he was the best defensive tackle in free agency. Um, so, you know, the, the Bengals have uh, speaks volumes of what they're trying to do this off-season after, after the, uh, the what you saw last year, Adam. I'm sure you yeah. just wanted to uh, run away from it. But, you know, seeing what they're doing off-season, it's very positive. They're bringing in the right people in the right positions. They're setting themselves up for Joe Burrow to come uh, and be that final piece uh, to, to add to, to the growing team. And I think it's going to be much better next year. Oh, it can't be much worse. Can't can be it? worse. <laughs> but yeah, like I say, with with Gino and Reader in the middle, that's that's a heck yeah. of a that's a heck of an inside. And then you have got Dunlap, Hubbard, uh, Carl Lawson, uh, bringing the pressure outside, and getting the pressure up front helps the secondary as well. So it's kind of chicken and egg kind of thing. You need the players to be covered, but they mm. won't get covered if they if the quarterback's throwing the ball quickly. So and yeah, the, bit of the, everything. The offense is not horrendous. I mean, you've got Andrew <coughs> Green, yeah. John, John Ross, Tyler, Tyler Boyd, and obviously Joe Mixon as the skilled players. We're assuming that, that, that smoking Joe is going to come in uh, at quarterback, which means, you know, you know, you've got some holes at tight end and the, the offensive lines, it will be the last place to kind of, to add to, I guess, in the draft, because um, yeah. other than Jonah Williams and Billy Price, there's not a lot to be shouted about in the O-line, is there? Um, Hopkins, they uh, they gave him a decent contract at centre. He was one of the higher-ranked centres on PFF last year. Um, right. So while he's not really a, a known name. But yeah, the skills positions, we've got one of the better groups in the league, in my opinion. Obviously, 
I am biased with it, but Mixon was brilliant second half of the season. Tyler mm. Boyd uh, went over a thousand yards. Auden Tate did really well stepping up for, um, with AJ Green out, and then we've obviously franchised AJ. Yeah. So, uh, in theory, yeah. it should be pretty decent, but it all depends on health. And knowing the Bengals, half of these will be injured by week one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't even know when week one is, but yeah, who knows? Yeah. Let's um, let's talk then, mate. Joe Burrow. I think you know we alluded to it earlier. I think it's pretty much locked in, isn't it? I, I assume you, you think that's where the pick's going. I don't think there's any surprises, is there? It is going to be Burrow, and, and do you think that's the right move? Um, just Before all this kind of stuff happened over the summer, it's all buying people. Um, who knows with the Bengals? They're, they're kind of, they do what they want. But yeah, I, I, I think even even though he's obviously the Heisman winner, he set however many records. He's born in Ohio. His family lived down the road. His girlfriend lives down the road. Even then, it's not just all that. It's the fact that there's no fans at the stadium last year. They need to reinvigorate the fan base and have in a local lad uh, throwing the ball to them who, like I say, set all the records. He won the Heisman. They have to go for him. And I'd, I'd be incredibly shocked if they did anything other than that. Um, the, the media seems to have got bored again and uh, they're making a load of stuff up. Adam, let me put your scenario here. Would you take? Would you take it if Miami gave you the... The sixth and the twenty-fifth, um, and a second, and maybe a second next year as well. They give basically they give you a load of draft capital. Would you take I, it, or I, you could go back to six and you could take you could take the next best, or you could take Justin Herbert for example. The, the thing is, I know that the Bengals like Herbert from everything I've read. I, I say I know, like I know from the things I've read, I they do like Herbert. And if it wasn't for Burroughs' season this year. I think they probably would have gone for him. Obviously, they coached him at a senior bowl and he did well there. Um, but no, I, I don't. I don't think they can. If if they don't get Burrow, the the fan base is going to revolt. They won't care that it'll be Herbert or Love or whoever at quarterback. That they won't go to the stadium. As I say, that they need first and foremost to get the fan base back on board, and Burrow is the one to do that. Yeah, I think, like you say, it'd be a huge shock if it isn't Joe Burrow's name called out first overall. Um, and like you say, that's the position that ultimately does excite the fan base, doesn't it? So let, let's assume that Burrow's been locked into that one slot. Um, we've kind of touched on it a little bit. Other areas of need that still need addressing through the draft, probably tight end, um, I would suggest. Probably you know not so much linebacker now. I think we probably had that penned in. But like you say, a couple of additions there today. Well, you know, What positions do you think they need to sort of look to improve through the draft? Yeah, basically what you said, O-line and uh, linebacker, really. Um, signing the lad today, we we, um, we seem to be letting quite a few go. So um, I think they may well push um, Sean Williams forward a bit um, now that we've signed Von Bell at safety. He's a mildly average um, linebacker, but I'd imagine they'll try him there. Um, I, uh, I've done a – well, I'm in the middle of a mock draft with a few of the Twitter people, and um, after Burrow, we traded down a couple of times, and we nearly got um, Bound. I think it's Zach Bound, um, linebacker slash edge, kind of hybrid. Um, he seems to be picking up a bit of chat from um, the guys on Twitter. Um, Jordan Brooks was another one that I picked up. Um, he seems a fairly decent one later down the board, and then tight end, as you say, we can definitely get them later on. They're, they don't seem to be going early at all this year. Um, I think we picked uh, Troutman about 120th. Um, obviously, he blew up the combine a bit. I love that. I, I love that pick. 
Yeah, he's more of a playmaker, isn't he? And we've got yeah. Uzuma and Sample to do the blocking, so we need more of a kind of playmaking tight end. And uh, he's a former basketballer, so, you know, they always seem to do pretty well in the red zone. Um, so as a replacement for Eifert, he, he could step up. You never know. And then O-line, um, it looks, unless they make a few trades, they're probably going to miss most of the the top, top ones. Um, there's a couple who I believe have injury risks. Uh, Mooty, is it, I think? Um, he seems to have injury risks, um, but um, you can then obviously get him a little bit lower down the draft board. So th- there's a few few options that they may well be looking for later down. But yeah, it, it is the same as always with the Bengals. It's O-line, linebacker, tight end. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But the, the moves they've made, obviously, very promising looking forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. Certainly give you the, you know, the freedom, like you say, to sort of move up and around the board um, to address the areas of need that you've still got left with all the additions that you've made through free agency. Let's um, let's move on, mate, to your area of expertise. I am, of course, talking about a bit of betting. And, and let's just have a look at the divisional odds. So the Bengals are classed as the rank outsiders um, for <laughs> the AFC North at 30 to 1. Um, which, which I've got to be honest, in a four-horse race, I thought was, you know, even that was a, a fairly generous price, thirty to one. Super Bowl odds, if you're really feeling it, Bengals fans, one hundred and fifty to one. Um, but your wins over and under total is sitting at five, so obviously gives you some indication of where the bookies are looking. Um, if you were playing with a pound each way, mate, where would you be sticking your money? Uh, well, it, you've got to go over the five, really. That's the by far and away the most likely, but 30 to one is a bit of an insult, but it's, it's a heck of a division in fairness. Obviously you've got the Ravens who've already strengthened, the Browns have strengthened again, and the Steelers should be getting a, not competent, they're getting a better than Hodges and um, the other fella. Um, they're getting a, oh yeah, I can't even remember his Mason name. Rudolph. The guy got, Rudolph, Rudolph, the one who got his head smashed in. Um, yeah, even Big Ben's better than them. So they're upgrading there. And obviously, they got eight wins with them two bums last year. So they'll be good as well. But yeah, it's, um, it's going to be a fairly competitive division. And the Steelers could well fall behind. I think that's why they concentrated on defense recently because all the rest have got rookie quarterbacks. So all the rest are going to be able to um, strengthen everywhere else. But um, yeah, so um, for, for the answer, over five wins. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Yeah, you know, me and Rob have said, um, you know, already we've talked about the Ravens. We're going to move on to the other team shortly, but uh, it is going to be a competitive division, absolutely. Uh, with that in mind, mate, let's um, ask you then. Obviously, bottom of the pile last year. Give us some reason for optimism. Why might the Bengals go on to either clinch the division or, or maybe even go all the way and, and clinch the Super Bowl? Give us a reason for optimism for the Bengals. I can't be quite that optimistic, but. Um... I, I, obviously, we get we got the first pick. We're going to take um, probably Joe Burrow. So you've got to be optimistic there. Joe Mixon was brilliant the second half of the year. The offense on paper looks one of the better units in the league. Um, we're signing everyone on defense. So the whole roster's having a bit of an overhaul. And with uh, a quarterback there, if you're getting the lad who's, like I say, set all the records, accuracy records, uh, very good moving in the pocket. He was really good under pressure. I think he was the best in college under pressure last year, which he's going to have to deal with being at the Bengals. Um, it's, it's, all, it's all pointing up, and it, sh- it could hopefully be a pretty quick turnaround for the team. Yeah, it would be a quick turnaround. And, and with that in mind, man, let's ask you just a, a final question just before we let you go. Just in terms of 
What do you think would be a good season? I asked you ahead of time, so I'm putting you on the spot here slightly. I asked you a reason that you think the Bengals have missed the playoffs. I think, you know, realistically, like you say, would be a big turnaround. So what, what do you classify as a good season for the Bengals next year? Would it be sort of getting back towards 500? Or what do you think the, what do you think the seeding for this team should be? I'd be happy with 8-8, eight and eight, to be honest. As I say, it's a tough division. Um, the, the, the schedule's actually fairly soft for the AFC, AFC North this year. So, yeah, fingers crossed, heading back towards 8-8 eight and eight and moving towards the future. But, yeah, it, it's tough when you've got the Steelers with their defence, you've got the Ravens with everything they've got, and then the Browns, if you, go, if you split with them, you're still going to be lucky to win half the divisional games. So, it is it is going to be tough this year. And obviously, you've got a coach who didn't exactly um, blow us away with his ability last year. So, it's going to be a bit of a steep learning curve for everyone. So, yeah, anywhere near 8-8 eight and eight and I'll be very happy. Indeed, mate. Indeed. Uh, Rob, just while we've still got Adam on, let's talk a bit of fantasy for these Bengals. Give us a, a fancy stud and a fancy steal for these guys. Uh, I think Joe Mixon uh, continues on his trajectory from from last year. As, as Adams mentioned, he had a fantastic end of the season. I think that carries on into 2020. Joe Mixon, for me, is a, a sort of a back end of the first round, second round pick in fantasy football. I think he can do it all. Um, and, and yeah, he, he came into the league a couple of years ago with um, some off-the-field issues, but we, we all knew that he was talented. He was one of the best running backs to come through talent-wise um, you know, in, in the last few years. So uh, I think... Think that he is the shining light for fantasy football in Cincinnati, um, and, and yeah, I mean, Adam, you must be uh, looking forward to seeing Joe Mixon back on the field again next year. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. He's one of my, um, well, unsurprisingly, one of my favourite players. And they had um, the Bengals UK podcast this week. Had um, Elise, uh, can't remember her name, Elise, someone from one of the Cincinnati pages, uh, one of the Cincinnati tv stations and she said that he has been just the a shining example of what everything you expect from a player on and off the field um obviously with his issues in the past he has he, he yeah. put them firmly behind him and they they said in the community he's brilliant everything he does and then off the pitch he's, he's just a fine fine young lad and um because he missed that year in college he hasn't actually hasn't got that much tread on his tires either and i still think he's only about 23 now so um, yeah. I know that they're going to probably be going, talking to him about his next contract over the summer because obviously it was second round. So they need to get him kind of tied up. And I think he'll probably be looking for eight, nine million. And I, I would like the Bengals to pay it. I know you're not meant to, but I think he's got another three, four years in him, to be honest. Mm. Yep, we'll see. Excellent. Right. Thanks ever so much for joining us, Adam. Before you head off, do you want to just give everyone details of where they can hit you up on the Twitter uh, to talk all things Bengals and obviously get your insight into the wonderful world of betting once we've actually got some sports back to bet on? Yeah, yeah, it's at Touchdown Tips on Twitter, uh, touchdowntips.com. Uh, I'm trying to keep busy over the summer and pretty much whenever, if the uh, Royal Mail get closed down, which... Seems fairly inevitable at this point. I'm sure it'll happen at some point. I'll get some more content put out and um, keep keep myself busy, basically. But yeah, um, at Touchdown Tips on Twitter. Excellent, mate. Appreciate it. And uh, as we said earlier on, you know, all joking aside, thanks for doing what you do. Um, stay safe at the moment, mate. That's the most important thing for all of us. And absolute pleasure to have your company this evening, mate. Cheers, pal. Cheers, Sean. Thanks, mate. 
Okay, halfway through the division, um, the Ravens and the Bengals in the books. Let's move across to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And to do so, let's welcome in another member of the full 10 yards team. I'm, of course, talking about the man that loads up the hype train week to week for your fancy football stuff. And that, of course, is James. How you doing, James? You all right, buddy? <laughs> I'd like to mention that that wasn't me with the tutu, although I was thinking about it. I'm all right, thanks. <laughs> everyone, knew, everyone knew it was me, James, don't worry. <laughs> I know you're suffering a little bit with a sore throat, mate, so appreciate you uh, you're coming on tonight to talk a little bit of football with us and we'll get straight into it, buddy. Um, let's have a look at what the Pittsburgh Steelers have done during the off-season so far. It's been, I would say, probably relatively quiet. Um Big signing probably in Eric Ebron and probably big loss, I suppose, Javon Hargrave defensively. Um, but talk us through from your perspective in terms of the off-season move so far, mate. Yeah, it's I say we've basically been fighting the cap, really. Um, Hargrave going was not ideal, but was necessary, really, in the cap space. Ramon Foster retiring doesn't help us very much either. Looks like Ryan Chazier is finally going to give up on the idea of coming back um, which is a pity but completely understandable so um, we've added a few pieces Derek Watt joins his brother TJ on the team which you know I'd like I'd love us to trade for JJ but it's never going to happen so I I hope Steelers fans aren't getting the hopes up that's not going to happen yeah Ebron solves I don't. I won't say solves the problem at tight end, but him and Vance as a tag team is an interesting concept. At first, when I saw that we'd signed Ebron, I was like, I don't know if I like that. But the more I thought about it, Ebron as a tight as a red zone threat, and Vance to get you downfield, sort of, you know, in the bulldozer way he has done recently, it's probably not a bad idea. Um, it worked. It worked in Indy with with Jack Doyle. Yes. So there's, it, it's probably quite, it could be quite a good partnership. It'll be interesting to see. Obviously, the main sort of new, you know, the main thing for the Steelers is that Big Ben's going to be back. Um, so we now have a quarterback that we feel like we trust. It'll feel like a new signing compared to last year, but um, we'll just have to see how that goes. Yeah, he certainly looks like he's lost his razor since we last saw him. He uh, he looks a little bit uh, worse for wear, it's got to be said. How much of a loss do you think he was last year? Obviously still managed to record a 500 season in his absence. So, I mean, how big of a, a loss do you think he was? Obviously, at the point that he went out, you know, at that stage were 0-2. Um, and obviously, like I say, ended up at 500. So, how big of a loss do you think Ben was last year? Um, well, it was certainly a big loss to the barbers industry in Pittsburgh. but. Um... <laughs> He's he, he he was a big loss because he is that sort of stable figure that you know all the players around the team trust. Um, however much you know, we had Duck and Rudolph. Um, you know, with with it's hard to trust farm animals. Um, so um, yeah, we we were kind of you know, it's 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 nice to you know we had Duck, we had Rudolph, and now we've got our animal back. Um, the donkey. So, <laughs> we, yeah, we've got animal back. I'm just hoping he isn't a muppet. Um, so that went better than I thought. Um, so no, I think I think it will make the difference. I think Juju will feel a bit more confident in what he's doing. Um, it's really going to come down to injuries, I think, overall. And I mean, to be fair, 
that's the answer for every team. It depends who gets injured through the season. But with Connor being a bit of an injury liability, Juju hasn't been faultless. Um, yeah, the two tight ends, one of them could well go down, but at least we now have another one to back it up. If Ben goes down, we now know we're stuffed. So, um, yeah, it, Ben gives us a shot at making the playoffs at least. Certainly without, without him there, I think we would be in the sort of rebuild, consider tanking territory, which, you know, however much you never want to justify it, the rest of the team is pretty decent, but I can't see us being a contender even with Ben. So, so let, there let, you go. So let, let's move on to the draft and let's assume most of these free agent moves are, are done now. Obviously, you know, the, the, the only sort of remaining moves are going to be sort of second level and, and depth sort of players at this stage, you would feel. So let, let's start talking about the draft. Where do you, where do you think the, the Steelers need to go? Um, you know, me and Rob talked earlier. You know, we think there's probably a need, I would suggest, at wide receiver. Um, I'm not convinced about James Conner. I'm not suggesting that they're going to spend high on a running back, obviously, in the current climate. But I think there's probably a need there. Um, where, where do you think they need to look at? And, you know, I suppose the big question is how long is it before they address the future at the quarterback position? I don't think anyone's convinced on Mason Rudolph being the answer after spending a relatively high pick on him a couple of years back, are they? So, you know, potentially would they look at quarterback again? I don't think it'll be this year. I think that we just haven't got the capital this year. I think that'll be a can that gets kicked down the road. So, um, say Ben's still around this year and he's made noises to say he may want to be here next year as well. So I think that can get kicked down the road. Um, running back, I think we found James Conner is good when he's playing, but he's so often not playing, we need a decent backup. And we've kind of realised that we only have a couple of mediocre ones. Um, have, Jen Samuels can have good moments, but uh, as fancy as will tell you, he is not going to give you James Conner numbers. So, having much James Conner was the great story the year he got drafted. Uh, it's it's just a little bit too fragile. So, but I don't think they'll spend an early pick on running back unless it is very much best player available is at running back. Um, I have a feeling that. Um, they're going to want to replace Hargrave, so defensive tackle area is going to be quite important. They've always said they've been saying quite a bit that they want a cornerback out of this draft. Um, then you've got the running back need, wide receiver need, which say you've got Juju. Washington could turn out good, but he's got to turn a corner. Deontay Johnson is a great special teamer, but can he really step up to be a three? Um, you know. We need we need an actual you know true option up front. So with only a second, a complementary, uh, compensatory third, sorry, two fourths, a sixth, and a seventh. Um, you know we've not got riches to play with. Um, it wouldn't even shock me if we end up trading down to try and get a few multiple picks and give ourselves a few more rounds to shoot at. But uh, that I'm not <laughs> obviously I'm not the office so. No, like you say, I think they're, they're going to need some more capital, aren't they? I think, you know, obviously, you know, it always seems the Steelers are up against the cap space issue, to be fair. Um, you know, and it, it's something that they need to obviously turn a corner on to start getting competitive because it does feel almost as though a rebuild is, is on the horizon. Um, it's almost more harm than good, sort of hovering around this 500 mark. It's, uh, 
it, it almost delays the rebuild process, doesn't it, at times? But um, it'll be interesting to see where they do go in the draft. Um, let's have a, let's James, have a look. I'll, I'll, Go on, uh, sorry, um, I'll just, uh, sure, I'll just jump in and just, I've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of mock drafts and a lot of people talk about Jalen Hurts. Any interest from you, um, there sort of in the second, possibly third round for Jalen Hurts? Uh, I haven't really had a chance to think about it, to be honest. Um, Would you rather wait until next year and you've got a first rounder on your belt and you can attack it that way? Um, I, just, just I don't know. To, it's, it's for me. I'm, I'm having the argument in my head at the moment because there's always yeah. the stats that first round quarterbacks aren't guaranteed to bring you success. And Definitely. we're going to have to rely on some form of later round. But is Hertz going to be you know a year behind Ben? And then going, there, is he going to be just another Rudolph? Um, I mean, he's better. I certainly think he's better than Rudolph. But would he be sort of of the level that the fans and in many ways the office is going to expect to be able to just jump in, work with, you know, in 2021, be able to go, work straight off the bat with Juju and any other pieces we bring in? I mean, if we're considering that running back is a bit, of, you know, we're a bit short on running back, we're a bit short on wide receiver, it feels that bringing in a quarterback with nothing to work with. I mean, obviously, it'd be nice to bring everyone sure. in together, but there are just too many needs at the moment that I think yeah. kicking it down the road, it's, it's not so much that, you know, Hertz would be a decent option, granted, but we wouldn't be able to build the infrastructure to make him as good as he would need to be. Whereas if we give it another yeah. year, then there's a chance that we can have a whole cast together. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I can see that. Yeah. Sorry, Sean, I uh, interrupted you there. It's fine, mate. It's not a problem. Always happy to listen to a good bit of football debate. And there's probably going to be a debate coming. because I'm going to come to you first, Rob, and ask you for some fantasy advice because that's what we've been doing through this pod. But obviously, I'm sure James will be keen uh, to have his input into this as well. So... Let's talk fantasy selections if you were looking at the Steelers. Obviously, a couple of years ago, you'd have all been all over Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Those mm-hmm. riches no longer there. If we're looking for Steelers, who are we going to be drafting, mate? Yes, you turned a little bit. Um, you know, there's obviously there's no big piece like Antonio Brown anymore. Juju Smith-Schuster was the, was the hotness this time last year, uh, but hasn't really proved it as a, as a one yet. Um, you know, is he going to step up this year? Does he need someone else on the other side as good as him to to make him come out of his shell a little bit and play to his potential? Um, you know, there's, there's too much to be seen. It's, it's certainly Juju won't be going as high as he did last year in redrafts league. That's for sure. So does it become a point where he's a value obviously we know he's going to be used Ben Roethlisberger's back um, you know there, there is there is some positivity there around Juju Smith-Schuster for sure but it's a trust issue with fantasy owners can you put your trust in him and pay the sort of the higher round price for a wide receiver that was iffy last year um, one player that I, I like the the look of and certainly last year was um, 
quiet um, is, is Deontay Johnson. And it was mentioned, James did mention him uh, five minutes ago, but I think he's a player that certainly could step into that number two role. Um, I, I, I saw James Washington last year, I had him in a couple of fancy teams as a, as a sleeper and he never did anything uh, for, for me to, to, to shout home about. So I think there is a spot there. John, uh, Deontay Johnson could take it and could be fancy relevant. So he's uh, a sleeper for me. Any additions to that, James? I thought that was coming. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, in, in the similar boat, I think Deontay Johnson might be one of those that there is a chance you could be picking him as a fire at the very mm-hmm. end in one of the last two, three rounds. That's and it, yeah, he's yeah. probably a very good dice roll to be taking. Um, I still think yep. the likes of Connor and Juju are going to probably still go a little higher than they really should because um, there's still name value. And it's, you know, Pittsburgh sure. running back one traditionally is good, but you've got the injury compensation to build in for Connor. And the wide receiver mm-hmm. one's usually rather relevant, but Juju still needs to prove it. And I still don't I still think the name value means he won't drop enough. Uh Ben, Big Ben meanwhile, might actually be a bit of a value because, you know, you're gonna have obviously Mahomes and Jackson probably quite close to the top in fantasy drafts in terms of those quarterbacks in that danger zone where you're drafting it and you're losing out on other skill positions. But Big Ben's probably going to be one of those, you know, double digit round quarterbacks that has a chance of, you know, scoring you decent points and allows you to, you know, pick smarter higher up the draft. So I can see Ben being on most rosters, but as a bit of a volume on anything. Um, Tight end, I will plug now my article um, based on tight end and fantasy, which is to do with the changing landscapes, um, is it really? Um, is coming out soon. And in that one, I think I just caught the fact that Ebron had moved over. Um, and if I didn't, I'll have to go in and make a bit of an edit before it goes out. But um, both of them kind of rob each other of value. But if you're in a league where it really rewards touchdowns, then Ebron could be useful for it rewards sort of catches, yardage, etc. then Vance might be a decent option. But obviously, there's a lot of teams that are double tight ending in the modern day, and the Steelers have just basically added themselves to that list now, um, which both helps and hurts at the same time. Yeah, never good from a fantasy perspective when you've got a target share at any position, but like you say, potentially a couple of guys there that will score you some points throughout the season. It's obviously way too early. Um, we don't know exactly where the draft picks are going to go, etc., etc. Well, let's have a quick look just for a bit of fun at the current betting when it comes to the Steelers. And for the division, they are second favourites in the North at 100 to 30. If you think they can go all the way and lift the Super Bowl 25 to 1, and the over under on the wins is 9, which is probably, um, in my opinion, I, I would suggest a little bit. Um, a little bit short, if I'm being honest, James. That would be my initial view. Probably a little bit biased as a Browns fan, admittedly. Um, but I'm a little <laughs> bit surprised that the Steelers are, are so short, certainly divisionally, probably about right for the Super Bowl, but uh, they're quite fancy by the bookies. What's your view on that? I, I st- I'm still struggling to <laughs> really think where we're going to be this year. Um, I'd say nine does feel a little short. I feel like we, we should be capable of double-digit wins. And to be honest, in the division, we're, we're definitely quite a way behind the Ravens right now. How much that really pains me to admit it. Uh, we are so far behind. And 
to be honest, the only hope that the Steelers really have is that going into the season with quite low expectations compared to previous seasons, whether playing with that slight less bit of pressure gives us a bit of a spark. Um, the NFL just keeps changing. There are years where suddenly, you know, a team that's terrible flips around quite instantly. So maybe we're the lucky ones. But um, to be honest, I feel like there's a better chance of the Browns finishing ahead of the Steelers than there is for the Steelers to be ahead of the Ravens. Um, and I don't think that's even controversial. Um, but yeah, 20, I don't think anyone should be rushing out at 25 to 1 to go for us winning the whole thing. Um, 100 to 30 for the division. Yeah, yeah, uh, I I would quite happily leave my house in my own possession and not be putting it on it. <laughs> <laughs> I would suggest so, mate. I know, I know from our conversation off air earlier, Rob, I think you've got a slightly different view on the Steelers. I think you don't think it would be all that surprising, maybe even for the Bengals to finish above them, do you, mate? What's your view on those odds? <sighs> Look, I... I, I, the Steelers as an organ, I, I quite like the defense of the Steelers. I like Mick, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick and, and TJ Watt and, uh, you know, the, Devin Bush. They've got some great pieces on defense. That might be enough to see him through. Um, but I think you said the under was, uh, the over under was, at, the line was at nine, I believe, did you say? I did, mate, yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd be t- I'd be I'd be smashing the low on that. I think uh, the under. Um, no offense, James, but I just think the Steelers are. I I think Big Ben. We've we've seen the best of Big Ben. I think Juju's, you know, proved last year that he, you know, he, he might not be the out and out wide receiver one that we thought he might be. Um, and there's just pieces in that offense with the skill positions that I don't need strengthening. I think it's going to take more than just this off season. I think they're going to be building again next off season. So yeah, I think the under nine for me, unfortunately. It's interesting because considering last season we were eight and eight, we had no Ben most of the season. Juju being pretty poor, Connor always out injured and only half a tight end because Vance wasn't really on all cylinders. So with what was effectively not a lot on offense and mm. purely, purely, you know, being heavily led on defense, we still scraped to eight and eight. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know whether that says more about the Browns and the Bengals than it does anything else. Yeah, that's the line I was going down. I, I still don't think the Bengals, even with, you know, probably Joe Burrow at quarterback, I still don't think they're going to exactly, you know, turn everything on its head quite so quickly. The Browns, sorry, will still be the Browns. Um, even though, <laughs> even though I, I came into this thinking, oh, I might actually fancy them to do quite well and probably beat us this year. And I'm like, I've said that for a few times now. And every time they find a way. Brown's going to brown, man. Brown's going to brown. Okay, I, I, every time you think there's a new dawn, it just seems to fade. So, if if that if that, if if history sort of you know dictates, we're still minimum eight and eight, but with Ben back in the lineup, it just needs us to get a few decent results elsewhere. I think you can chalk down two losses to the Ravens already, though. Sadly. <laughs> I'm not going to jump in, boys, because all this Browns bashing is upsetting me. I've got to be honest. <laughs> Uh, you wait till our next segment, mate. Indeed. The Browns next. <laughs> Indeed. Bring it on. Bring it on. Uh, all joking aside, I think Mike Tomlin and co are usually good for a couple of wins. They are an excellent coaching staff. And as you say, James, they do get the best out of, you know, um, even the, the sort of backup players and everything. So 
Um, Steel is always an organisation that um, you know put a decent product out on the field, whatever it looks like on paper. So I'm sure it'll be another reasonable campaign. Um, where can people find you on Twitter, mate, to interact with you and obviously um, you know get a view of all your fancy content throughout the season once we get up and running? Fingers crossed in September. Yep. So I am always there at the at, at NFL Hype Train. So all one thing, obviously it's Twitter, but. Um, Say I post occasionally on the on the website as well with my uh, little choo choo train banner. So um, check out any of the articles that pop up on there, and if any of you want any fancy advice or anything just to chat about NFL, feel free to drop me a line. I'm usually quite quiet. We're all quite quiet at the minute, mate. So absolutely appreciate it, and uh, you know some excellent articles, mate. Keep up the good work. Great to have you as part of the team, and like I say, look forward to the season kicking off in earnest. So thanks for joining us tonight, mate, and uh, we will speak to you full soon. Daps to your, full daps to your voice as well, James. It's held out well. It yeah, indeed, as indeed. You can cancel uh, that nothing, Corona test, mate. Yeah, nothing, nothing like talking about NFL to make me feel better, eh? Indeed, mate. It's a true exactly. sentiment for all of us. Cheers, buddy. You take care, mate. Yep, see you. Cheers, mate. Three down and one to go. I would, of course, be a little bit biased and say we have saved the best till last. I'll let you be the judge of that. Um, but I'm not going to talk Browns. I'll probably chip into the conversation no day whatsoever. Um, but we thought we'd get the man on who runs the UK Browns Twitter handle. So welcoming Chris to the podcast. Chris, how are you, matey? Uh, great, thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to talk rounds. No, absolutely, mate. Pleasure. Nice welcome distraction as things currently stand. Um, as we've done with the rest of the guys that we've had on, mate, we're just going to have a chat around the Browns' off-season move so far, what they've done in free agency, um, looking at what the needs still potentially are through the draft, and uh, obviously then we'll have a touch with the betting and fancy angle. So let's get straight into it, mate, in terms of the off-season moves. Disappointing campaign, no doubt about it, last year. Um, full of optimism, particularly after you know, the off-season of 12 months prior. But a disappointing 6-10 and 10 record. Um, I think the biggest area of need for the Browns was probably along the offensive line. And they've addressed that, certainly, with the addition of, of Jack Conklin. I personally think that was a really good move. The other couple of big pieces of free agency moves, of course, bringing in Austin Hooper at tight end, um, a big upgrade. In my opinion, I've never been sold on David and Joku, so I'll get your view on that in a moment. And some proper competition, I would suggest, for Baker Mayfield in, in Case Keenum. You know, certainly not coming in intending to start, but certainly capable. He's proven that over the last couple of years. So they were the three big ones. There's been some other moves, Chris, but just talk us through, talk us through from your perspective in terms of the key moves that the Browns have made. Uh, yeah, so really interesting off-season already, uh, as it always seems to be in Cleveland. Um, it's never dull. Uh, I think Con- I think you've nailed it with Conklin. I think he is going to be the key one. We certainly needed tackle help, and I think we probably still need another tackle. Uh, but he's going to be massive. Austin Hooper... Certainly adds to the weapons that we've already got. Um, I think if, if the Browns need a consistent tight end. So Njoku will flash, but he's never... I wouldn't say he's a reliable target. Or he certainly looks like he could be, but never hasn't hasn't really materialised yet. Uh, interesting, I think probably the best um, free agency signing we've probably made, which would be an underhand one, is getting Billings over from the Bengals because we couldn't stop anyone on the run last year. And you suddenly bring him into the mix... Uh, a like nose tackle sort of position, and actually that might turn out to be a bit of a masterstroke, or a fairly sort of budget sort of signing. 
really. Not flashy at all. Quite boring. No one likes signing tackles, but uh, I'm a great believer that build on the lines and you'll actually see good play, which is well, the Conklin sign, you probably nailed it, really has been big. Uh, a bit of experience added to the secondary, the safety sorts, both massive. Uh, and then the trade for uh, Janovic, the fullback. Well, it's just, I mean, I won't claim to know much about fullbacks across the league, but uh, if it's the way that Stavansky wants to build, then you've got to trust him, haven't you? And a relatively low cost seventh. Uh, Keenum is certainly an interesting choice. Uh, I believe. Uh, Stefanski was his quarterback coach when he was at at the Vikings and had that year of being just amazing. So he uh, obviously knows him well. And hopefully, if uh, I'm sure Baker will work out, and I'm a big fan of Baker's, uh, it provides at least some steady mentorship behind him to sort of help him. Yeah, I think so. I think he's needed that, hasn't he? I think last year, you know, obviously started off the season with Drew Stanton as his backup. He quickly went on to injured reserve and then it was just Garrett Gilbert left behind. So, you know, let's not dress it up. Baker did disappoint last year, as did a number of the Browns, but I think Keenan will be a solid addition. Uh, one big loss for the Browns on defence, obviously the leader of the defence in Joe Schober. Um I think he's a player that's divided opinion amongst the fan base. I'm, I'm not sure I would have necessarily paid him the kind of money that the Jags have paid him ultimately. But nevertheless, a big loss on that defence, mate. What was your view on, on allowing Schaubert to hit free agency? Yeah, I think Schaubert and Kirksey, both of them, sort of fall into, fall into a similar category. They're average linebackers. So they are good to have around as as players in a dressing room, et cetera, et cetera, and look, look decent players. But... Uh, I think for the money they they both wanted, so Schober in particular wanted, they're probably not worth it, are they? So it's kind of like you're, you're a bit annoyed to see him go. Um, and obviously, his draft picks well, was past draft picks walking out the window again, which seems to be common. But I just haven't. I wouldn't say they're in that category where they want to be. They should be paid as much as they are. So you have to be a bit careful with the cap room there, I guess, especially when so much is going against the offense at the moment. Uh, and I think the Browns in the linebacking category. Uh, at least for the last few years just lack speed uh, and I don't particularly think that's an area that they're losing there so there's an opportunity to sort of transform that room and uh, that positional group Yeah, no, absolutely mate Rob, I'm going to come to you mate we're obviously both biased as Browns fans <laughs> so just give us your view on the Browns um, on paper at least we'll talk about the draft in a, in a short moment but just based on the depth chart today I know mm. we, we talked about this during you know the, the sort of other teams in between recordings and you know we, it's a strong group isn't it on paper at least yeah, I think that I think everyone was a bit disappointed last year with the Browns. Obviously, you boys being Browns fans, were obviously disappointed. But um, you know, neutral fans like myself who looked at the depth chart heading into to 2019 and, and thought, "Wow, <clears throat> you know, you've been able to bring in OBJ. You've got a star-studded defense with Miles Garrett and and uh, Denzel Ward leading leading the lines there, and and you know, you've got Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt." You know, and all these star players on offense as well, with Baker Mayfield, who had such a good rookie campaign, and it was it was just disappointing to see how that didn't you know come to fruition last year. But you know, I understand a lot of that's probably down to the coaching. A lot of that's down to a poor offensive line, meaning Baker Mayfield didn't have the time that he needed to to find these stars. And you've already made big moves with with Conklin coming in, and and, and that's a big big deal. You do need another tackle as long as you can. I mean, I've seen um, 
is it Andrew Thomas, the, the, the guy from Georgia, he's been slated in the mock drafts to go to you quite a lot. And that, that would be a great move. You need another tackle just like him on the outside there. Um, and that O-line all of a sudden becomes pretty good with, with Joel Bitonio and, and uh, JC Tretter, um, who have been there. And they're, they're proven. Um, it was very much like Costanzo in, in Indy. He, he's, he's been there since he's been drafted. But you need the other pieces around them to get the best out of them. And I think that's going to happen this year. So I think all that excitement that we had last year for the Browns, us outsiders, we can start to get some of that back because there's, there's no one major, especially on the offensive side of the ball, no one majors left. You've kept that core of, of elite talent, um, but you're added to it with the offensive line. And all of a sudden now you look at the Browns and it's even better than last year. Surely now there's no excuses, and there is no excuses. This is Baker Mayfield's last chance. If he doesn't get it right this year, who knows what's going to happen to Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, mate. I think, you know, like you say, plenty of optimism. I suppose we've um, been bitten before, so we'll reserve judgment, but uh, mm-hmm. absolutely plenty to be encouraged about. Let, let's come back to you, Chris, and let's turn our attention to the draft. Then you just heard Rob talking there about the prospect, uh, the prospect of another tackle um, at the number ten pick. I think there's, there's sort of four in the draft. I know Rob just mentioned Thomas there. There's obviously the big four on most boards in terms of Wills, Worths, and Mackay Beckton, as well as Thomas. Um, the other one that potentially is coming up now in a lot of conversation, and you just mentioned there about linebackers, is Isaiah Simmons. If for whatever reason he does drop to ten, I've seen that happen in a few places in terms of the quarterbacks, you know, having a run on early. Um, I suppose those are the two key positions of need. Let, let's just play devil's advocate here. Both options are on the board at 10. Chris, where would you go? Uh, I would definitely go to tackle. Um, if like, I think you address that second tackle spot and I think the Browns offense could leap from being pretty average to amazing um that's like not even me just being biased i mean if you're not going to tackle i think we have to go linebacker um or you go best player on defense maybe maybe you've got the luxury then to do that but i think tackle's got to be the one hasn't it really yeah that, that's where i would be going personally rob i could see you nodding away in agreement there mate i think you know even if isaiah isaiah simmons is on the board which he's unlikely let's face it but we have seen it happen in mock drafts particularly like say if there is a run on quarterbacks early um, I think you're in agreement, mate. Tackle and that offence then is pretty much set, isn't it? I think I I'll, I will be very, very surprised if Simmons is still there uh, at 10. Um, if he is, then it becomes an all-new different ball game because he will be the best player on the board. Um, so, yeah, you're then stuck in a situation of do you take him or do you, do you get your need? Um, if, if I was on the board and Simmons is there, I'm taking Simmons, whatever, because I know that this tackle class particularly is deep right into, into day two you can still pick up um, a, a good possibly great tackle uh, um, early doors in, the, in day two I don't know what picks you've got in, in round two mind you um, but if that's the case if that's the situation you're putting in front of me Simmons is, is the guy uh, but I highly highly doubt that Simmons goes past six or seven so um, you never know you never know he could be there um, and then it's a real situation but um, certainly for me Simmons is He's a, top, he's a top five pick. Uh, he should be a top five guy. So um, that would be a difficult situation. 
Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that one plays out. Like you say, I think it's all going to be dependent on, you know, is there a run on the quarterbacks early? You know, I've seen as many yeah. as as three sort of go in the top um, five, depending on how many drafts, um, you know, trades has been in mocks. Um, and obviously other teams needing tackle help as well. So it'd be interesting to see um, if that situation does indeed play out. Let's, let's have a quick look then, Chris. Early doors, admittedly, probably far too early, as we've said <laughs> throughout the, um, the show tonight. But... Odds in terms of the Browns. Um, so for the divisional crown, they are sitting at eleven to two to take home the AFC North. Um, if you think they're going to go all the way for the Super Bowl, it's thirty-three to one currently, and the over/under win volume is sitting at eight. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a bad bet in terms of the Browns from the from the divisional perspective. In terms of value, um, the Ravens clear favourites absolutely, but they are eleven to twenty on. So, I think the Browns at five and a half to one. You know, all the reasons for optimism still there. Yes, they've got to do it on the field ultimately, and I suppose the odds represent that. But if you were having a, a couple of pound, mate, where would you be sticking your money potentially? I don't think the division's out of the question at all. I mean, it only takes an injury to Lamar to make the Browns probably the favourites for the division. Um, I think the Browns and Steelers are actually very equal in terms of talent levels now. Um, so it's a toss-up really for second. So you, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against putting a few quid on uh, on the division at all. To be honest, I mean, Lamar can he do it a second season in a row? We've often seen running, running quarterbacks falter. Um, I keep I keep hoping he will fall too, and he keeps amazing us all. But um, yeah, that's that's my bit. I don't think the Super Bowl odds are thirty-three to one. I think that's probably pretty fair. Um, I think it takes something quite special for the Browns to get there and turn the defense around uh, in that short amount of time. Um, and the win wins at eight, uh, probably about right. I mean, uh, the Browns have got to avoid that classic one step forward, two step back that seems to always happen in Cleveland. So. Um, Hoping, hoping that we can get to 10 wins, but that's the dream for a lot of franchises at this time of year, and a lot will depend on early ability to gel, I think. And yeah, no, absolutely. I think you know we we can't probably also um, you know deny the fact that the obvious ongoing situation around the world with the the you know, the franchise is now locked out of all the facilities and and all of that kind of stuff does potentially have a, a hampering effect with the new coaching staff trying to implement their system, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Rob, just get a quick thought from you, mate, on those odds. Mm. Um, you know, good value think, or not? Well, the 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 eight wins is certainly one that that raised my eyebrows because I, I seem to think that that would be much, that would be doable for the Browns with that, with that roster. But just looking back on history and to see that you've only had eight wins uh, three times since 1990 um, is sorry, four times. Oh yeah. Three times since 1990, the the history dictates that probably that bet is about right. Um, But no, the way I look at it is you are two victories away, uh, two victories against Baltimore away from winning the division. Um, You know, I think if you can pull out a win against Baltimore at home, which is doable, and if you can then pull out a a win away, um, that's the two biggest games for you this year. Uh, And if you win both of them two, then there's no reason why you can't win the division. So, yeah, I think it's open for for, for Cleveland. um, But certainly history is against you guys, that's for sure. 
Yeah, it certainly is. The irony, of course, is one of the Browns' biggest wins last year was actually in Baltimore. Um, 40, sure. Was it 45 points, I think I recall? Um, yeah, seems a long time ago, a long time ago now, though, doesn't it? Uh, just before we let you go, Chris, let's have a little talk just around some Browns players from a fantasy football perspective, probably a number of names that are certainly on the roster. Rob, we'll come to you, your area of expertise first. Mm. Um, which Browns do you think we should be looking to pick up? Yeah, again, like I said earlier when we were talking um, about a couple of the other teams that I, I, I was really high on, on Jarvis Landry last year. And it's because Jarvis Landry works so well when the pressure's off him. And when you've got a player like OBJ taking all the pressure from, uh, from one side of the field, that all of a sudden opens up a whole lot of space for a target possession monster like Jarvis Landry is. So in PPR leagues, especially again this year, I'm all over Jarvis Landry. I think he's skillful. I think he's a very elite talent. And like I said, with all the weapons around him, it, it, it's a danger at the moment because it, you do get a position where it could be a case of too many cooks in the kitchen, which I think might be the case for Austin Hooper, despite having a really good year last year. And despite he will demand targets across the middle. I just think it will be a case of um, there's a lot of mouths to feed. However, Jarvis Landry is going to be the beneficiary because he's the guy that, that that's got the best route running. He's the, he's the guy that can do the most with the ball in hand. Um, so I think I think Jarvis Landry, again, is, is one that I'm going to be targeting this year. Yeah, I'm a big Jarvis fan. I know Chris is as well, mate. And Chris, probably the final word to you, I suppose. We, we, we would not be doing the man a good service if we didn't mention Nick Chubb in terms of fancy football. Um, obviously, just pipped to the rushing crown last year by Derrick Henry. He's obviously now got, ironically, Jack Conklin blocking for him this year. So, another big season, I would suggest, expected from Nick Chubb. Not just from a fancy perspective, but just overall, mate. I know he's a, a huge player in your opinion. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love Nick Chubb. I think I have. I always make a priority to try and draft a Browns running back anyway. But with Nick Chubb, it's an easy choice, isn't it? I think he, I think he will be in the top five players taken in most leagues based on last year and uh, the upgrades to the O line. I mean, he did sensational with a dodgy O line last year. Imagine what he can do with a proper tackle and potentially another tackle on the other side. I think it's frightening uh, for other teams. Great for us. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed, mate. As we've said a few times though throughout this chat, mate, you know, the proof will be in the pudding as it always is when it comes to the Cleveland Browns. Plenty of reasons to be optimistic and fingers crossed. That does indeed translate into victories once September rolls around. Fingers crossed, September rolls around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we will obviously wait and see if this does get pushed back, but fingers crossed where all systems go by then. Um just before we let you go, Chris, where can people find you and the account just to talk all things Browns? So the account on Twitter is UK underscore Browns. We have a great uh, following. Uh, admittedly, I've not been too active recently, but uh, during the season, I like to try and talk to as many people as possible about the Browns uh, and really get get that community spirit all going because there's lots out there and loads of people around that want to just talk about the Browns football. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. We really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us today, mate. If you're not uh, following Full 10 Yards and you are following the Browns site, give us a follow back. Um, like I said, let's grow this community during this particular period in time when we all just want to talk some football. So, Chris, once again, mate, thanks for coming on and we'll speak to you soon, buddy. Brilliant. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, Chris. There we go, then. All four teams in the AFC North covered off for you there. Um, I think Rob, it's going to be one of the most competitive divisions in football next year. What's mm. your view, buddy? 
Yeah, yeah, I can't remember if it was online or, or offline that I said that to you yesterday. I think, uh, yeah, the, the, the AFC North is one of those divisions which, you know, we wouldn't be surprised if, if Pittsburgh made a run for it. We wouldn't be surprised if, if Cleveland, you know, uh, like I just said um, to, to Chris there, it was two, they're two wins away uh, against Baltimore from winning that division. But then again, we all expect Baltimore to, to, win, to win it. Um, and then are we really going to be surprised if, if this overhaul from Cincinnati, um, you know, makes a massive difference and they end up over 500? You wouldn't be super surprised at it. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a wide open division. It's an exciting division. It's always good to watch those teams play off because there's a much bigger rivalry in that division than there is with a, a lot of other divisions. Um, you know, I talk from a, an indie standpoint where, yes, we have Houston, but they're not big rivals at all. Um, I quite like Houston, to be honest, and Jacksonville. Um, and but yeah, you get to the AFC North, and it's just a bitter, bitter rivalry between all of the teams, really. Um, so it's a it's a different ball game. It's a different ball game when you've got that competitiveness uh, in that division. So it's a, it's a great division to watch, and I'm certainly certainly looking forward to it next year. Yeah, it should hopefully be a good one. Uh, obviously, the Browns Steelers rivalry very much reignited last year by activity on the field. Yes. yes. Um, obviously, like you say, the Battle of Ohio with the Steelers and Ravens always seem to have some ding dongs, don't they? Cause, you know, end of the season Sunday night football quite regular. Um, so yeah, plenty to look forward to in the AFC North. Um, let's wrap this up then, mate, for our first pod around the divisions. Big thank you yes. to our guests on this one. Adam, obviously, with the Bengals, James with the Steelers, and Chris there with the Browns. We're going to try our best to get together um, with you know representatives from as many NFL franchises as we possibly can over the course of the coming weeks. Um, so appreciate all of your support and you know hope everyone's enjoyed listening as we keep saying you know some welcome distraction for everything that's going out there so the main thing everyone please stay safe um, uh, you know without repeating everything that we've all heard stay at home and save lives that is the most important thing at the minute. Uh, Rob do you want to say anything mate before we sign off? Um, I think if, if you're listening to this and you think, oh, I'd like to have a, a say about my team, uh, it's always worth getting in contact with us because there are some teams that we, we haven't got anyone for. So it could be that what your team that you support, we haven't got anyone to chat with. So so do let us know if, if, you're, if you want to have a chat about your team. If we've got space, we'll, we'll have you on. Yeah, absolutely, mate. The more the merrier. We want to talk to as many people as we possibly can. Yeah. Uh, and like I say, you guys will be more experts in your own franchises than me and Rob, but we'll do our best to fill in <laughs> any gaps that are there. You might Rob, even be more, um, you know, more experienced in my own franchise, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, you flip-flop between franchises. To... Oh, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Last, right, let me just get this out on the air, as you've mentioned it. Last year, uh, I wasn't happy with, with Indianapolis, um, with with. It was the loss to Miami, which did it, to be honest. So I just severed ties for last season and I just started watching the Packers and, I, and a big deal was made over it and it didn't need to be a big deal. It was just, a, a, I, I just canned it in last season. But as soon as the Super Bowl was over, it was right straight back onto Indianapolis and what do we need to do this off season? So it was, uh, it was a very temporary um, shift, shall I say. It was never a renouncement of my team. Jolly good, mate. I'm glad that's been cleared up. <laughs> Until next time then, mate, let's get out of here. And of course, as we do with all of our podcasts, let's sign off in the great words of Kevin Cadle and say bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.